Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Addicted Mind podcast. My name is Dwayne Osterland. I'm your host. Our guest today is Caroline Beidler. She is an author, recovery advocate, and founder of the storytelling platform Bright Story Shine. Her new book is Downstairs Church, Finding Hope in the Grit of Addiction and Trauma Recovery. With almost 20 years in leadership within social work and ministry, she is a team writer for the Grit and Grace Project and blogger at the global recovery platform In The Rooms. She is the founder and visionary of the annual International Women's Day Global Recovery Event presented by the She Recovers Foundation. Today, we're going to talk about her new book, Downstairs Church, And we're going to talk about hope and grit and how having the courage to share your story is what's so important for others in recovery, but also to our own healing. I loved Caroline's openness, vulnerability, and her willingness to just share her story so she can help others as others have helped her. So I hope you get a lot out of this episode. And if you're getting a lot out of the Addicted Mind podcast, please share it with a friend or write a review wherever you get your podcasts. I really do appreciate it. It really does help people find the podcast. So thank you to everyone who has done that. It just means a lot to me. And check us out on Instagram at Addicted Mind Podcast. There you get all the latest episodes and any resources that we share. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Addicted Mind My guest today is Carolyn Beidler, and we're going to talk about her new book, Downstairs Church, Finding Hope in the Grit of Addiction and Trauma Recovery. Caroline, introduce yourself. Tell us about you, and we're going to talk all about your book and some of your other projects, especially around women sharing their story of recovery and hope and and all of that. So, Caroline, jump in. Oh, well, thank you so much. I am just such a fan of the show and so grateful and honored to be sharing with you today. So as you said, my name is Caroline Beidler and I am a woman in recovery and I'm so grateful to say that today. You know, today my life looks a hundred times, just like infinity times different than it did a couple decades ago when I was in active addiction, when I was living with undiagnosed mental health challenges, when I was struggling through what I didn't know at the time were undiagnosed, it was undiagnosed trauma and PTSD and all of that mess and that muck. Today, I am sitting in my home office and I'm looking out at the foothills. I live in Eastern Tennessee. We, we live kind of in a little tucked away neighborhood and out beside my window, there's this foothill and it's beautiful and it's green. And I have, you know, deer walk by and, you know, there's peace in my life and beauty in my life. And I have two beautiful children, Henry and Violet, they're four-year-old twins. So I was blessed with, yeah, twins in recovery. I know it was just such a truly a miracle and a, a wonderful husband who I joke is a scientist. So I'm like the creative social worker person. And he is on the other he's side. Of the he's on the other side of it. That's we a good match like, though. It is good. a good match. It works good together. Together. It's maddening at times, but most days, you know, most days yeah. it works well. So I'm just, I'm just, you know, like, like you said, just going in and, and we'll, we'll get to your book, but just that first statement of just the chaos of being in the addiction and then being able to be on this other side of it. And like you just said, look out your window and go, wow, I would imagine you could have never believed at that moment when you were in that chaos that this could be the other side. Mm, never, not for a second, not for a second. I didn't know there was another side. Yeah. And if there was, it wasn't for me. 
you know, it was someone else's life and someone else's opportunity. But today I can know and trust, you know, that I am loved and that I'm worthy of being loved, you know, by a family and being a woman in recovery today. It's, it's been a quite the journey and one that I talk about in, in my new book. Yeah. So let's talk about it. Before we were recording, I was talking about just the title of the book and I want to understand that statement of downstairs church and what that means and, and why that title is so important. And then we'll get into the, the meat of your book. Sure. Yeah. So that's <laughs> funny. I had a, a family member actually say, you know, you shouldn't have used the word church in the title because so many people are going to be off, you know, put off by that. And I get that. I totally get that. And you know what? At one point in my life, I definitely would have been as well. Right, um, right. I heard, I heard the phrase and I so connected with it. I had the opportunity to do an interview with one of my favorite authors, Philip Yancey, who is a journalist. He writes a lot about faith and doubt and all of those hard topics that don't generally get talked about in the faith space. And right. In my interview with Philip, he talked about, and he talks about this in one of his books, but his experience going to an AA meeting with a friend and walking downstairs in this church building. It was in Chicago. And I'm going to read this quote because it's on the back of my book now. He says, from the downstairs church, I learned radical honesty and radical dependence. We can't make it on our own. And he went on to talk with me about how what he thought he was going to find or what he was seeking for, for a lot of his life in the upstairs spaces of churches and, you know, um, that spirituality and faith that he, there was something different in the downstairs space in that recovery meeting. And it was the honesty and the grit and the authenticity. And that has been my own experience. I mean, I, and I talk a lot about my faith journey in this book too, but you know, I didn't connect in recovery or, you know, really find wellness or what that looked like for me until I connected with a recovery community. And until I experienced some of those things that happen in the downstairs spaces. And so one of my ultimate goals for this book is that it shines a light on what happens there. That not only do I walk through some extremely challenging experiences that many women in recovery or seeking recovery go through. And I highlight a couple other women throughout the book as well. I highlight that grit, but then also what happens in the recovery community that can move us from a place of such struggle to freedom? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think the title is great. And the way I, I, I picture it is, you know, that, like you said, kind of the upstairs church is, is there and, you know, kind of people have it all together. And then there's this, downstairs church where if you haven't been down there, you don't realize like there's incredible vulnerability, incredible hope. But if you haven't been down there before, it's like really terrifying in a way to take that journey. And I kind of see it like of that. It's like, I don't want to go down there because, you know, they're going to tell me how bad I am and how horrible I am. And that's all going to, you know, that, that's how I kind of see it. I, I think it's a it's a great title. I think it's I like that that analogy. Well, thank you. Yeah, when he when those words he said those words put together like that, it was just like something clicked because I had been working on the book, but I wasn't able to bring everything together until 
you know, until we commute, until we had that conversation. And it's interesting how through story, through him telling me this story, I was able to make a connection with my own story and yeah. put it together and hopefully impact, you know, hopefully in some small way, someone else's story. So I'm glad you say that though, because it's interesting and it does feel the whole process of writing this has been an act of vulnerability. I mean, it has, yeah. it has to put it, put it out there, but isn't that just like the recovery journey too, right? Where we, we do, we put it out there. We're honest, we get it all, you know, in those downstairs spaces, we bring it up, you know, bring it to the light. Um, yeah. Bring it to the light to talk about it and, and be vulnerable and, and realize like, we're just not alone. Mm-hmm. Like it's the human experience. It's if you want to have relationship with others, the vulnerability is just a part of it. It is. It is. And, you know, I struggled for decades in trying to stay sober and, you know, doing it on my own and trying all sorts of different things. And it wasn't until I could let down some of those walls and show up vulnerable healing. It wasn't happening for me. I mean, I think even in early recovery, I was just so insulated from trusting others and being okay showing up as myself. I mean, I was still hiding and looking back, I didn't realize it at the time, but it wasn't until I showed up and said, okay, I, I'm going to take a leap of faith here and I'm going to get vulnerable and I'm going to find someone trustworthy to connect with and to disclose to, and to tell my, my stories. And that's for me when the healing really started happening. Yeah. But you got to make that walk downstairs. Indeed you do, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, we do. We do. And that's always can be, it can, I I think when people are starting this journey that that can just feel so daunting. So Mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about how you did that, how you, you took those first steps Mm -hmm. down into the downstairs church? So for me, it was relationship. Again, I, you know, for years tried to do it on my own. I tried, you know, controlled use and drinking. I tried, you know, well, I'm an alcoholic, so I'll smoke pot. You know, well, that worked till it didn't, right? And then, you know, relationships and sex and all of it. You know, I tried whatever I could to be okay. And of course, nothing worked. But it was relationship. And there was a woman, she's an older woman, and it was actually a church I was going to at the time, trying to go to, you know, so I wasn't really connecting. But she said, you know, have you thought about trying an AA meeting? And I remember thinking, no, <laughs> you know, right. that's not for me. You know, I mean, of course, I knew I was an alcoholic and addict, but she really encouraged me. And I don't know what, you know, now it definitely feels like a supernatural intervention, but I followed her suggestion And when I walked through the door of that first meeting, I met Kim, who would become one of the first women I really connected with. Kim gave me a big hug and it freaked me out. But instantly I felt like I belonged. It was like as soon as I crossed that threshold and like just took that step and took that action of just walking through the door, you know, driving in, parking in the parking spot like getting out, walking through the door. As soon as I got through that door, it was like I could finally take a deep breath. And yes, it was still scary. And yes, it took me a long time before I could say my name in a meeting. But Kim giving me a hug and feeling that instant, okay, this is going to be, you know, I'm going to be okay. There's someone like me here. It, It made it less scary. And so from this woman's guidance 
and a relationship I had, and she made the suggestion to other relationships that I would form, like with Kim, that's how it happened. I couldn't do it by myself. I needed to be okay letting other people know that I needed help and being open to that. Yeah, to 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 make yourself so vulnerable, and then that's how we learn that we're we're not alone in this. And you know, part of in the in the subtitle of your book, finding hope in the grit of addiction and trauma recovery, that's where that trauma comes in. It keeps us from connecting to others, so we kind of always stay upstairs, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and that's something you know I struggled with. Do I focus primarily on the addiction? recovery? Do I bring trauma? And it was like, of course I bring trauma. Into the right. <laughs> this is how it all started to begin with. And so I talked through some, especially early on, really challenging experiences that again, so many women, so many, all folks, men, all folks experience. For me, it was multiple instances of sexual violence. And I talk about it in a way that hopefully isn't triggering, but at the same time sheds a light on what happened and that, you know, And I've had people tell me and, you know, feedback, like, because you shared that, I feel like I can share that now too. You know, um, we saw it with the Me Too movement. It's like, as soon as someone else tells their story in a lot of we're human beings, we feel all of a sudden this, almost like this, okay, you know, it's okay if I do this too, or I can join in, you know, I belong with the group that has experienced this. And I want women, I want all folks to know that it's okay to talk about these things because, For me, I mean, I was sober for several years before I really dug into my trauma and I was still having unhealthy relationships. I was still eating disorder. I mean, I was still dealing with the stuff. So it wasn't until I took a look at the trauma piece that my recovery really became what it is today. I'm glad you say that because, you know, I think a lot of times when we're in our pain and we're kind of locked in this we don't realize that this is a journey. Like this is, this is something, you know, it takes a step at a time and that it's not just this overnight shift and we just change and we're all good and all right, let's move forward. I mean, that it's, it's a journey. Yeah, it definitely is. And, you know, I think hearing stories of other women, specifically for me, hearing stories from other women about their journey, that it isn't, it isn't for most of us just kind of like a decision. And then all of a sudden we're healed and there's this, you know, great white light that shines down from heaven. And all of a sudden we're, you know, the obsession is lifted for some people, maybe, and that's wonderful. But my experience was slow and steady over time. But the more that I open my eyes and listen to other women's stories of their own experience of healing, their own experience of, yeah, you might set the substances down, but then you have an anxiety disorder that just, you know, right. you, have to deal, you know, as the more that I heard about other women having these layered experiences in recovery, the more, the more I just felt okay. It was like, you know what? I'm not crazy. You know, there's not a ton of wrong with me. Like, I'm okay. And I went through these things and this happened, but I, you know, I, there is hope. And I think that's ultimately where I'm hoping that this book lands also is that there is hope in the grit of what we've experienced. Yeah. I wanted to talk about that hope in the grit, because that kind of goes to what we're saying, because when you start this journey, you're, you're in the grit, you're, you're in it. And how do you hold out hope in all of that? Hmm. For me, it definitely has been a spiritual experience because honestly, on my own, I, I like to say that I could hold on to hope and, and have perseverance, right. and, but I can't. I mean, I think it's 
it's a supernatural spiritual thing when we're able to have resilience in the face of horrific traumas and struggle. I believe it is a spiritual thing when we have resilience as a human being. And it doesn't matter what we go through. I mean, it could be addiction. It could be, you know, name your thing. As humans, we all go through our things, you know, but right. to be able to continue walking and journeying and have that resilience, despite the grittiness of what we've experienced. I mean, that is a beautiful and I would say miraculous, miraculous thing. So yeah, for me, it has definitely been a spiritual experience. Yeah. And in the 12 step, there's the the idea of the higher power and relying on something bigger than yourself to put your hope in. And yeah, I do agree that uh, recovery is like, it's a spiritual piece that we also have to have that's bigger than ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, for so many of us who have had similar experiences with trauma, I think for me that that personal relationship with the higher power, that took time and that took trust. And that took a lot of me showing up more vulnerably. I mean, I remember I tell this story quite a bit, but it's like, I remember the moment where I got real angry with God, like so angry. I was literally like foaming. You felt like, you know, like yelling and just getting it all out. I was so angry. And I just remember dropping to the ground after just having this tirade, you know, and um, instant peace. It was like, I just felt God being like, it, thank you. You know, like it was just something that it was almost like a, a barrier fell down between God and me and this relationship because I was being honest with God. You know, I right. wasn't hiding. I wasn't lying. I wasn't going to church, pretending everything was fine. I was saying, you know what? I'm angry that this happened. How could you let this happen? And from there, gratefully, I was introduced to to people and to writers. I mentioned Philip Yancey. He wrote a great book called Where is God When It Hurts? And that book, that book changed my life. I reference it in my, in my book. But I was introduced to these people and these ideas and these stories of other folks who had been through horrific things, but they were still able to get to a place of truly understanding that God was still there, is still there, wasn't the author of that bad thing because we live in a broken world, but is there with us and connects with that and has compassion for us and feels with us. And so my relationship with God has been something that it, and it continually evolves. Um, but anyways, yeah. when I was honest with God, something changed. It's like you showed up as your full self there in this spiritual relationship with God. And you, you're just like, here I am. This is me. And let's hash this out, so to speak. Right. right. Let's talk about this. <laughs> let's talk about it. And, but then that's the the freedom, right? Like the, right. the, the, the ability to, to be so vulnerable even with our spiritual selves, you know, I think it's, is part of that. What about, you know, when you're talking about hope in the grit, how these adversities give rise to our healing and how does, you know, when you see that you see all these things that you had to go through and these challenges along the way, how did that actually help you? Hmm. Oh, that's a tough, this is a, this is some tough questions here. Sorry. Um, no, I'm loving it. It's, I just like to, I like to like, you know, I, I, I try to really kind of get to that, that piece where we see that change. 
Yeah, no, I love it. Just get to the heart. And this is recovery. This is being vulnerable and, and open and honest. You know, I wish I had like a soundbite answer for you because I love that. First of all, as a writer, I like it when it's concise and it's, you know what I mean? Like to the point. But these are hard. These are complicated. I mean, you know, when we talk about our spiritual life and our healing and our emotions, I mean, they're just, they're complicated. It's sometimes hard to put these events, these, these experiences into words. So I totally understand that too. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. And, you know, I, I try to write quite a bit about this in my book also for my own story and my own experience. What I can say is that I would not go back and change a thing, even though I went through some really hard stuff that I know I'm not alone in that. It's certainly not unique. My story is not unique. I wouldn't go back and change anything because when those things happen, I don't know if it's like a, you know, in scripture, actually, it talks about a refining fire where you're, you know, those things, those things about your humanity and your person are burned away and, you know, kind of that selfhood, not in the good sense, you know, but is, is kind of stripped away to where we're at a point where, and I've heard people talk in meetings about this gift of desperation, you know, that given this gift of having nothing left, totally at my wits end, you know, at the end of my rope, and then what's left, there's like, you have two choices. You could either just, okay, this is it. You know, there is nothing left or reach my hand out for something outside of myself. And I had the opportunity to do that. And so many people don't, you know, I mean, yeah. I just, there's someone I, I uh, work with a woman and she just lost a recovery house roommate, you know, just left, re left recovery housing. Her dad came in two hours later to get her stuff and said she had just died. You know, I mean, and it happens every day, you know, all day long, people are losing their life and not having the opportunity to make that reach. You know, and it's like, oh, it's just such a waste. And I think back on my experience and I feel so grateful. And at the same time, not just grateful that I'm here and have this life and have this window I can look out, but there's a weight to that, to be still being here, you know, that I think those of us in recovery and, and what you, like what you're doing, I mean, there's a responsibility that we have to then give back. And to be on the other end of that reaching out where we're there to help support those people struggling, where we're there, where we can give a hug to the woman coming into a first meeting and we can open that church door, whether it's to the upstairs or to the downstairs. There's a responsibility when we have moved from those hard things and come out on the other side. Well, I, I love what you said too about like the, the, what was the quote about being refined through the, through the adversity, through the fire. It's like, it just kind of burns away all the BS. And, <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and we get to the, just being real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Being real. And that, that's what I love about recovery. I mean, that's what I love about the downstairs church and you know, more than just my book, more than just telling my story or shining a light on recovery, I really hope that it also acts as an advocacy tool and brings community awareness to this, that people without addiction issues pick this up. Or if you have a family member that's struggling to learn more about what happens in recovery, because it's beautiful. And I think that whether, well, I believe personally that everyone's in recovery from something or should be. <laughs> right. But, you know, wherever you're at, I believe that we can all learn from that 
recovery place from that downstairs church and from what happens there, that gritty, that honest, that vulnerable place. Yeah. So you really shared your story vulnerable. Like you said, I mean, it's vulnerable to put yourself out there in a public way, but it's such a, such a gift to others. And I think that's, what's so important about your, your book and putting it out there. But you also do a lot of other things. I, I really, I want to talk about too, because I think they highlight the power of your book, but they also highlight the power of story. And that's your blog where your book is as well. It's like bright stories shine. And I, I would like to talk to you about that as well, because mm-hmm. I, I was looking at that and I was just really touched by it. And can mm-hmm. you, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I started bright story shine during, you know, 2020, I don't know where you all were, but my world was falling apart and I was right. <laughs> had a lot of stuff coming up uh, with my mental health. I started needing to see other women's stories. I knew I needed it. I needed to connect with women. I needed to see and hear what other women were experiencing. And I needed to hear recovery stories. And I felt like I I wasn't, there wasn't a lot of that out there. I mean, I just felt like, you know, I needed more and I needed deeper connection. And so I just decided, you know, and I've always loved writing that I would, you know, put some of my thoughts down, but how amazing would it be to open it up? to be able to provide a space where other women can share and other women can shine their light of recovery and inspire others. And it's been beautiful. And I've met so many amazing women just opening up that submission process, which has been so incredible. Women I still connect with uh, who I've learned their stories and they've had the opportunity to share on the platform. And I'm hoping to do more of that over the next year and really expand on, you know, having submissions and publications, because I I just believe so strongly that when we have that opportunity to share, and some of us feel moved to share publicly like that, that even more healing can happen. And it gives hope to others. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that's so important, because it really just as we share these stories, like you, you had the courage to share your story in this book, and to write about this. It's going to, my thought is it's going to touch someone else who is going to read your story and relate to it and just not feel alone. It'll, it'll be like the, the hug you got when you walked into that meeting. Oh, oh, that's a beautiful, oh, I'm going to cry. That's a beautiful picture. That's a beautiful image. I love that. You know, because you took the chance to be vulnerable and, and share it. I, th- I think that's just amazing. I love that. Thank you. I'm going to hang on to that image. Thank you so much. And I, I've told my husband that, you know, if, if the book helps one person, you know, and I'm not going to lie, writing a book is, is a lot of work. And then also promoting the book and, you know, pod, like doing all the things, authors all the do stuff now. that you're doing right now, but you got to get the word out, right? Because people have right. to have to find it and have to get it because there's someone out there who needs to read this book. Right. I mean, it is, it's a lot of work, but if, if one woman or person is impacted by it, it makes it a hundred percent worth it because at, you know, decades ago, what I, you know, how my life could have maybe prevented a lot of the struggle and I wouldn't have had to gone through some stuff had I connected with a book or with another woman's story earlier on, who knows, but hopefully this can do that for someone else. 
I think it will. So, wow, Caroline, I just thank you for having the courage to do this, to write this book, to come on the podcast and promote it and and put it out there for people to find so they can they can get a hold of it. Just thanks a lot. But before we go, I always like to ask one question as we as we're getting kind of to our time here, mm-hmm. and that's if maybe there's a woman out there who is struggling, like where you were, right? Like in the in the grit in the in the in the hopelessness before they could find hope what what would you want to tell them what would you want to say to them Mm. you can say one thing i think i would say that you do not have to stay in that place you do not have to stay in that place that there is hope on the other side of what you're experiencing you do not have to stay in that place and there are people who want to come alongside you and walk alongside you and help you climb out of that so I want to give that that woman, that person hope today that there is another way and that recovery is possible and life change is possible. Oh, that's awesome, Caroline. Thank you so much. Where can they find you? Where can they find the book? Well, my, my website, carolinebeidler.com. Google me. I'm on the socials, Facebook and Instagram. I would love to connect with you there. So yeah, I, I hope to connect. And as usual, I'll put all the links in the show notes at theaddictedmind.com so you can check it out, check out the book. I encourage everybody to to read it and get it. Caroline, thank you so much for coming on to the Addicted Mind podcast and just being vulnerable. Oh, thank you. I really love being here and thank you for the work that you're doing. It is so, so important. Oh, you're welcome. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. As usual, all the show notes will be at theaddictedmind.com. So check that out there. You can get a link to Caroline's book, Downstairs Church, Finding Hope in the Grit of Addiction and Trauma Recovery. And if you got a lot out of this episode, don't forget, click the subscribe button in your podcast app or share the podcast with a friend. All right, have a wonderful day and I will talk to you on the next episode. I'm Madeline and I'm the host of the Happiest Sober Podcast. I got sober in my 20s after a decade of gray area drinking and the greatest plot twist of all time was realizing that alcohol, the thing that I thought made my life the most happy and fun and exciting, was actually the exact thing preventing me from living my happiest and best life. My mom is 40 years sober and she joins me on my podcast very often. I like to call her my part-time co-host and I also bring you solo episodes where I share my top tips, tricks, and mindset shifts in sobriety and lots of how to's for navigating all the things sober from weddings to parties to holidays to bachelorette parties to trips i'm also joined by so many guests who come on and share their sober stories and they're all so so inspiring i'm here to show you that life doesn't end when you quit drinking in fact it's very much the opposite and no matter what your relationship was with alcohol life can be the absolute happiest when you're sober new episodes come out every tuesday you can listen to happiest sober podcast wherever you get your podcasts